If you have your Bibles, I want you to go uh, primarily to one passage today, Acts chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 26. Now, you can follow along on the Bible app, have a, a, a lot of scriptures and a lot of points here this morning as we're, we're kind of uh, wrapping up this series called Holy Fire. And we've been in this series because, um, how many of you know, we are in perilous times. These are the, this is the last of the last hour. Things are shaking. But the good news is, is that God's plan for the church is not that we would go into hiding. We're not to go into hiding, go, go bury ourselves in the cave, bury our, barricade ourselves, get a whole bunch of MREs and ammunition. Come on, if you got some extra ammo, you can give it to your pastor. He likes it in that nine millimeter. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm all for that. I love that. Okay. But the last hour, the plan for the church is not to go and hide. It's to arise and shine. We are called by, by God to shine. Now, I don't know if you recognize this or have recognized this over these weeks. This is called holy fire. And if you were, uh, if you were to, to, to break this down from the very beginning, it's just a series about what happens in the life of a believer when we begin to walk with the Holy Spirit. When we get baptized, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. We talked about uh, you know, many different aspects about the Holy Spirit because we want to learn about Him, know about Him. Last week, we talked about the grace of tongues. Go back and listen to that message. If you've never heard a message on that, go back and listen to it. God wants to edify us and build us up, help us to be strengthened in love and in faith and in hope so that we accomplish what he has for us to accomplish in the last hour. Now, here's what you need to understand about fire. Fire was the light of that time. Fire was the light. It's not like now, you know, where, where you go and you, 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 you find a place on a wall and you're, you know, uh, an electrician has done a lot of work and a power company's doing a lot of work and all you do is flip a button and then suddenly your LED lights that, were, uh, that are supposed to last a lifetime and really never last as long as they say they're supposed to last, right. <laughs> these are going to last 12 years. Nine months later, you're buying another one, all right. They're more expensive because they last longer, right? Okay, but what we do for light in this hour, we don't do a lot of work for the light. We don't do a lot of things to engage with the light. In that hour, in order for light to come forth, man, you had to create some heat. You had to build a fire. And when, you, when there was light coming from a city on a hill, it was because there was fire in the city. I'm here to tell you, church of the living God, when the world comes looking for light, she needs to find fire in the church. She needs to find the fiery presence of God, illuminating, bringing us forth into truth. Now, there's lots of things that... That, that quantify what it means to be a believer in Christ. But if, if you were to try to, uh, uh, you know, just quantify them from the average normal experience of a believer, you might think, well, uh, Christians are people who go to church occasionally when it's convenient on a Sunday. 
and they, they go out to eat on Sunday. And they like fried chicken on Sunday. All right, and, and you might have these cultural connections to what it means to be a believer. But how many of you know there are biblical descriptions of what it means to be a believer? And if we would really look and see what the scripture says about what it means to really genuinely be a believer, then we could start to say, okay, God, help me to live like that in this last hour. Romans 8, 14 says something very profound and it's very truthful. It says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Now, I, I do want to just give you the contrast here. Romans 8 really comes after Romans 7, which is all a contrast of, 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 hey, listen, don't live by the flesh because that's death, but live following the Spirit of God. Now, listen, the distinguishing mark of a genuine born-again believer in Christ is that you follow Holy Spirit. And that's why for weeks we've been investigating him because we, we, at times we feel like the disciples who were in Acts chapter 19 when someone says, hey, are you following the Holy Spirit? We're like those disciples that show up and say, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We haven't been hearing messages about the Holy Spirit. We don't know what the Holy Spirit does. We don't know that the Holy Spirit's a person. We don't know about the, the, the manifestations that show up in a believer's life when the Holy Spirit shows up. Why? Because we haven't been hearing messages on that. We haven't been, we haven't, we haven't been looking deeply, but we have as a church. Why? Because God's in time plan to reach a lost and dying world where the very fabric of society is fraying, God's plan is to pour out his spirit. I know that many of you today, you may be going, hey, pastor, pastor, which page of the book of Revelation are we on? And I would say, I don't know. I don't know. The book of Revelation is a wonderful book. You should read it. You'll be blessed when you read it. You say, where, where are we on that time clock? I don't know. I actually prefer to view us uh, at, through the lens of another book called Acts. And the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit as he moved on the Apostles continued for 28 chapters. In my opinion, the church right now is in Acts 29. It's the continuation of the writing of the story of how God is telling the story of redemption through the church of the living God who receives the person of the Holy Spirit. You see in Acts 2, in the very beginning of that book, in the genesis of the church, it says this. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. You mean, you mean to tell me that the church is going to say what God is saying in the last hour? Yes, they will. It said, oh, men will dream dreams. Come on, can I get, a, can I get an amen for dreaming dreams? I'm going to tell you about one I had last night. You're going to have visions. You're going to, regardless, man, woman, socioeconomic status, God is going to use you in the last hour. Here's why. The end of Acts 2 
in this great sermon given by Peter says this, and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. God says, I'm going to pour my spirit out on the church. There's going to be a shaking going on in the earth. Sun and sun turned to darkness, moon into blood. He says, before what? The coming and great and awesome day of the Lord and all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, there is coming a mighty harvest. And the preparation for the harvest is that you and I who follow Jesus get full and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Where we walk with God, know Him, and live in intimacy with God. Now, what's really helpful is when you have mentors. When you have somebody who's walked before you. Obviously, we have Christ, but there are other people in, in the scriptures that are super helpful. Now, years ago... When I was first beginning to really walk with the Lord, I knew I had a call of God on my life, but I didn't know where to go or what to do. I just knew that I had been newly filled with God's Spirit. I was searching for a voice of clarity, a voice that would help me to understand what was going on. And, and uh, in Lakeland, where I grew up, there was a powerhouse of a, of a radio station, 100,000 watts. It was called WCIE, 91.9. Since then, Moody has bought that station, but it used to be run by the church that I attended, Carpenter's Home Church. And, and early in the morning, I believe it was 6 a.m., a voice would come on, and I would wake up early every day to listen to this voice. That voice was Pastor Jack Hayford. And Pastor Jack Hayford would there... Uh, you know, he would preach these messages and give great foundational context to a Pentecostal experience. And he would teach from the Word of God. And he would tell these stories of, of the Spirit of God moving in people and moving in his church. Matter of fact, one time he told this story of how he was, he was simply in his church, the, the church on the way. Uh, from Van Nuys, California. Uh, he said, we could not grow this church beyond 100. Jack Hayford, he said, I could not grow this church beyond 100 people. He says, but I went in one Saturday as, as, as I normally did, and I was walking alone in, my, in the sanctuary praying, and suddenly a cloud came into that little sanctuary. He goes, I noticed it. I checked my eyes. I made sure that I wasn't seeing things, you know, that it wasn't just some weird uh, uh, thing that was just a, you know, maybe I was being fooled. No, no, no. A, a cloud came in of God's presence as he was praying. As he recognized it there, he simply paused and, and was there in God's presence. He would look up a few moments later and notice the cloud wasn't there anymore. Matter of fact, he would say uh, later that of this experience, he said, I didn't even tell my wife about it. I, I didn't think it's something so profound or something so overwhelming. He said, but that Sunday, our church more than doubled for no reason. That church that couldn't go over a hundred, because of God's presence, would become a church that regularly ministered over to over 10,000 people. 
a week. By the way, that happened in California. Oh, man, now you're like, man, <laughs> really, California? <laughs> Some of my former Californians in the house. Listen, God's not done with California. And don't, don't think that, man, <laughs> revival can only happen in Florida. That's not our God. Our God has no limitations. And we have California to thank for the great Azusa Street out, outpouring, the very move of God that started in Los Angeles, California, in that mission with a one-eyed black preacher named William Seymour, glory to God, who did things so strange you wouldn't even go to his church. <laughs> put a box on his head in worship. Y'all would leave. Y'all like, I can't take my neighbor there. Put a box on his head in worship. Yeah, till the glory cloud came in so strong that kids would bring in jars and capture the cloud in the jar and look at it. Till eight-year-olds would lay hands on people in wheelchairs and they would come out of their wheelchair. Uh, this isn't about Azusa Street. I'm just saying God can do great things in California. And God is not done with America. There's coming a move of God. There is coming an outpouring of God on this nation. And God's plan is to do it in you, church. He isn't looking to find just another pastor. He's got plenty of pastors. He wants sons and daughters who will get filled with God's presence. Who will follow people into the boundless possibilities of what their life could look like under the control of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Jack would say these powerful words about the Holy Spirit. It says, Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, yet when the Spirit comes, he is loaded with packages. He desires to release much more in us and through us than we could ever imagine. And these gifts are given for delivery, not for accumulation. We receive them to pass them on to others. So if you can uh, uh, draw down on the spiritual target that God has for us as we're, we're drawing this series of, called Holy Fire to a conclusion, it would be this. We need to be led by fire and find those who are led by the Spirit, see their example within the Scripture, and do what they did. So I want to take you to a story, one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts. It's from Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse chapter 26. It's about a man named Philip. We're going to read uh, from 26 to 40, and we're just going to see how the Lord leads, leads us here this morning. It says this, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and, and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, saying, do you understand what you're reading and he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. 
In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from earth. So the, the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask of you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught him away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, this story tells, uh, tells us about a man who was deeply committed to following the flame, following the fire, to being led by the Holy Spirit. How, now, I know that not only from this passage, but uh, from the rest of the book of Acts, you find that Philip is a father to four girls. He is an evangelist, but he is a father to four girls, and this is what it says of his posterity. He had four girls who prophesied. Yeah. Oh, there's a whole lot to be said there. I guess those girls weren't quiet. We'll get some understanding on that. You see, there was something that was so real in Philip's walk with Jesus, he passed it to his posterity. He passed it to them. He showed them that a life of following Jesus would be a life that is filled with God's spirit and used for his glory to the point where they themselves begin to operate in the things of God. Which leads me to the dream I had last night. I had a dream about a man from our community that I've known for uh, 22 years. And not, not, not in our church, but I've known him a long time. And uh, he has sons. And he loves his sons. I mean, absolutely loves them. T took his sons everywhere. They did things together. He openly loved his sons. And well, in the dream last night, there he was. Standing on the shore of a river. Looking very Citrus County-esque with his shirt off. <laughs> fishing in a river. And there's his son. Who carries his same name. Fishing in this river. And I walk up to him. I said, hey, how's it going? He says, well, it's going pretty good. He goes, my son, who looked just like him, dressed just like him, had no shirt on. He says, my son, he hasn't, hasn't caught anything yet, but I, I think he's in a good spot. 
And I looked over at where his son was fishing, and I thought to myself, there's nothing but garbage there. There was a swirl in the river in Eddie, and it was just full of, of, of sticks and, and garbage in this collecting. And he was fishing there. I'm like, yeah, he isn't going to catch anything there. And I look across, and I, I see a place where I just know there could be a catch. I look at his, this father, and this father looks at me in the eyes in this dream, and he says, oh, how I have longed to dig a place for my sons to fish. A place of our own. A place teeming so that every time they fish, they catch. And then he said this, but that's too expensive. And I woke up. And I could hear the Lord just kind of brooding over my heart. And some of you go, I don't really understand what that means. Here's what that means. There are some times in life where fathers pass along good things. They pass along culture, a love for the outdoors, a love for sports, a love for... And they just pass along good things, but their lives never really lay hold of something fruitful. They never really uh, give themselves to being a part of the catch. But there was a longing in this father's heart to create and dig a space where the next generation could be fruitful. And I believe what God was saying early in this morning to me as I woke up is that I want dads who have a longing to dig a well, to dig a place of fruitfulness where the next generation comes behind us and they certainly become fishers of men. They become people who are used by God, who don't just give themselves to good things, they give themselves to God things. They're going to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and produce something with their lives. Here's what I believe, though. There's a lot of people in the church who want to be fruitful, but don't want to pay the price. Who don't want to give themselves to intimacy. Who don't want to give themselves to full-on living for God. They don't want to do that. They think to themselves, that's too costly. That'll cost me my culture. That will cost me my reputation. That I have this fear of man and the opinions of my family and the people around me. What would people think if I really gave myself to living for God? Here's what people would think. That's a man who could be followed. And if I could give a word to fathers in here, start digging wells. Start digging wells. Start digging your own place in prayer. Start digging your own place in God's word. Don't just, listen, don't just go to the river of, of congregational meetings where God is doing something near you. Why don't you get into the prayer closet, dig a place for yourself that your sons and daughters find themselves in, in their lifetime going, God, I, every, it seems like now every time because of what dad did, I now can live in a fruitful way for you. That's what that dream was all about. You see, we're all on a mission. And every one of us in this place are called to live for God in a way that makes an eternal difference in someone else's life. 
So we're going to look at Philip's story here of what it means to be led by the Spirit. Believers who are, are genuinely led by the fire of God, they, they listen and obey. When you're, when you're led by the fire, you listen and obey. Remember, uh, in this story, in verse 26, it begins this way. It says, now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. Now, it was God's voice sent through an angel. Whether this was a vision or a physical manifestation, we don't know. But God said, get the message to Philip. And notice, Philip was listening. He was listening. It was God's voice that initiated the mission. I want to tell you, God is speaking in this hour. But let's be like Philip and give God our yes, because it will be our yes that unlocks it. And it, it, we're, we're quick to say, oh, I'll say yes, until you realize what was going on in this story. You see, God addressed his position. He said, Philip, arise. Sunday's here, week one, NFL. <sighs> Let me tell you something about the voice of God. When God speaks, first of all, it's likely it will be inconvenient. Oh, I worked hard all week. I got all my chores done for my wife. And uh, I got them all done. And now... Uh, and God says, arise. Oh, Lord. Lord, you know. If I don't root for this geriatric quarterback today, he could die. <laughs> if I'm not watching God, something bad could happen. God's word in an inconvenient moment to Philip was a rise. It could be that when the angel came, he was already in the bed. I need you to know that this spirit-filled life led by the flame and fire does not look like the Christianity that we have created today in America, which looks like this. Oh, good to see you. This is what we think Christianity looks like. Sitting in services. Christianity, biblically, looks like I'm ready to be inconvenienced. I'm ready for the voice of God to come when it's inconvenient. 
Anybody ever get that inconvenient word right after you sit down? Get up. Oh, okay, all right. Get up. Oh, and oh, and, oh it gets worse. Not only are all your plans for your resting and, and all of your personal plans, not only are you going to be told to get up, you're not going to be told in fullness what to do. He says, get up and go from Jerusalem down to Gaza, get on the road to the desert. And the angel leaves. That's it. That's what you got for me. I made, I got the wings already, God. <laughs> Get up and go, and you don't even tell me what I'm going to experience when I get there. How do I know this is you? I'm not going until you give me the rest of the plan. You know I like a list. Church, if you're going to follow the flame, you are going to have to take incomplete words God gives you and start to step out and say, well, I'm ready to be inconvenienced, and God, the message can be incomplete. I'm going to listen and obey. I don't care what it looks like. So when God speaks, it's often inconvenient and incomplete. We have to live a life of faith and trust to complete God's mission. You have got to live a life of faith and trust. There was a day, it really wasn't even that long ago, where after a staff meeting, and our staff likes to go out and eat, and we're, we're, kind, of, we're kind of a social bunch, and I remember that day, uh, the Lord just said, no, you don't go. I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. Everybody's going off, and I'm like, no, no, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna go. You guys go ahead. And I heard the Lord speak to me. He said, "Go to Sonny's." I'm like, oh, I don't want to go. I mean, it's barbecue in Inverness, but it's not on the top of my list. I got an amen down here. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't. Mm. I heard the Lord just say, "Go to Sunny's." Nothing else. Now I heard that voice after our staff meeting, where after a Sunday when we get together on Mondays, we talk about you. If you miss church, we talk about you. Hey, where is so-and-so? Wait, we haven't seen them. We haven't seen them. Say, so, uh, you know what? I'm going to make a list. I'm going to make a list of people. I'm going to call them, and I'm going to think about these people. And, uh, you know, so, so we're talking about you, so, especially you who are watching online right now. We're talking about you. So, um, and so we write down some names on the list. And there was one I hadn't seen in months. I'm like, man, I, I don't know what's happening here. I said, I'll, I'll just reach out to him. Well, this, I said, well, I, you know, I'll do it after lunch. So I walk in and I go to Sonny's and I sit down where everybody else is. Like at this little high top bar where you can just walk up. You don't have to wait on anybody. Just walk up and sit down. And then I looked up and sitting two chairs away is the guy on the list. Guys, 
You can't make that up. And then what, what could have never been recreated by, you know, just going through the motions, following the leadership of the Holy Spirit and sharing a meal together unplanned where God puts people together. Listen, you don't need all of the details. Will you just please begin to listen and obey? the Holy Spirit. You've got to listen and obey. Those little promptings where God says something, just go do it. Listen, obey. Go down the road where it's desert. Angel leaves. And then what? When you get there, start to look for your assignment. When you're led by the Spirit, that's what you do. You kind of live in this mode of going, God, where's my assignment? Where are the people? Where are the ones that I'm supposed to minister to? Where are the ones that you're leading me to? And when he gets there, he says, and behold, I love how it says, look, I got there, look. A man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Whoa, in the place where de the, it's the desert. Nobody lives there. There is a man searching to know God. Let me say it another way. Perhaps you really get this. In Inverness, where nobody lives. In Citrus County, where all the people, there are just no people there. Whoa! There are people there seeking to know God. Some of you got sent to this region and you didn't know why. I'm about to tell you. When you understand the man in this story, you begin to understand your assignment today. You see... This man was a great, uh, a man of great authority. He was the treasurer. So he had popularity and position. Had it. Seemed really put together. Was a man of influence. Not only did he have position and popularity, but because he was the treasurer and and, and really high up in this Ethiopian garment, he had possessions of his own. He was well taken care of. So he has popularity. He has position. He has, he has possessions. By the way, there's a lot of people in this county that you might look at at first glance. They don't look like they need much. As a matter of fact, this man was coming back from Jerusalem worshiping, but not knowing the God he was worshiping. And so here he is, he, 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 has, he has what, he looks like he has it all together, but here's the truth, he was a eunuch. A eunuch. Kids, ask your parents later. He was a eunuch. Here's a way of saying this. He had wounds that no one could see. 
Matter of fact, his wounds were directly connected to the possessions he had, the popularity he had, and the position he had. Because if you were going to be close to the queen, there's no way you were keeping your identity. He sacrificed his identity. And he's searching for something real. And what happens? God finds a man who will listen and obey and say, God, I will go and follow you into my assignment. He was wounded and carrying scars no one can see. His true identity had been stolen even though he had everything the world could offer. Let me just tell you, there are loads of eunuchs in this region. Loads of them. They have great retirement accounts, but they have scars and wounds. And on the outside, it looks like they've got it all together. But on the inside, there's a brokenness. And I'm here to tell you today, there are scars that are happening in people's lives right now that only a Savior can heal, that only Jesus can touch. And God's answer to bringing healing to their inward woundedness is to send sons and daughters filled with his spirit who are looking for their assignment. In Matthew chapter 10, we kind of get a glimpse of who God is sending us to. We prayed this through this very week. This is what we're supposed to carry to the wounded, to the broken of this region. Jesus said this, it's as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Notice the condition. Sick, dead, leprous, demonized. You see, that brokenness is the brokenness that Jesus came to heal. And the truth be told is that healing happens when the church gets filled with God's spirit and begins to follow his voice. To carry that balm of healing that only comes through Christ. Next you find in this story that believers who are led by God's spirit, who are led by the fire, they leap into the moment. They leap into the moment. It says, then the, the, the spirit said, notice this. It says, then the spirit said, after the angelic visitation, after he arises and goes, after he starts looking for his assignment, after he's in the desert and he sees the man, then God speaks again. Sometimes you guys are waiting for God to speak again and you haven't acted on what God said at first. Why don't you begin to act on what God says first? He'll give you more details when he positions you right. When he gets you there. He says, and then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which, which he read was this. He was led as a, sleep, a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened up not his mouth in his humiliation. 
his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life was taken from earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask of you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. I'm not sure if we realize how big this moment was. Imagine, if you will, that our president was taking a drive through Citrus County with all of the secret service and protection. And God says to a believer, chase down the president's car. See, all of us in our mind, we say, as soon as I begin to chase the president's car, I will just be chasing the grave. <laughs> By the way, what makes you think this eunuch was alone? You see, at the leadership of God, he said, listen to what, what God said, chase the chariot. Chase the chariot. I actually believe that in the last hour that God is going to raise up a people who are willing to step out. There has been enough play it safe believers raised up in America to the tune of where that we have now become a nation that only 4% of us believe what the Bible actually says. 50% of churchgoers don't even believe that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus. I'm telling you right now that God in this hour needs to find some people who will get full of his spirit. And when the spirit says, chase down a chariot, oh, you start running. You don't think about, oh man, I've got to protect my, I've got to protect my business. I've got to protect everything I've assembled here. I've got to get everything together. No, you chase down a chariot. We need some people who say, God, at your voice, I am going to live by faith. I've got to live by faith. And just, just in case you're wondering and you've never been good at spelling, let me spell faith for you. R-I-S-K. Help your neighbor. Help your neighbor. Help your neighbor. Say, I don't think he spelled that right. Yes, I did. <laughs> risk. We're going to have to Risk. Not only did he chase the chariot, but he opened his mouth. Hey, do you understand what you're reading? Top speed. Reminds me of the, the little, little video that's out there. It's like a reel or something. You know, they place this audio over all different kinds of, uh, of, of, of things. It says, it says uh, you know, it says, hey, 
Can I tell you about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And it says, hey, where are you going? Where are you going? You know, and they, and they chase them in this. And it's, sometimes it's a dog chasing a chicken. It's all kinds of stuff. And, you know, we kind of think that if we're carrying the gospel, that the world wants to run away from it. And it could be that they're actually searching for the very thing that you're carrying. You just need to run after them. Hey, listen to me, church. Don't expect they're always going to run to you. At times they will. But other times, you're going to have to chase them down. You're going to have to chase them down. Now, I don't know if you know this about pastors. Pastors have a secret entrance to Walmart. We do. It's called automotive. Park on the side. They let us in. They buzz us in, actually. It's glorious. And so we can get in and out of the store in an uninterrupted fashion. But, you know, and I'm really grateful that now, you know, that you can put a grocery order in. They just bring it out and put it in your car and you don't have to go in. You say they do that. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I don't need you clogging up my parking space. <laughs> Never mind. Keep going in. Uh, but sometimes that, that is, you know, you'll put in the order, they'll say they don't have it, and you go, I know they have it, but, and you got to go in. Like, you, you know, I just got to go in and get it. Well, sometimes we all have those moments where we have to just go in. There was a young lady from our youth group years ago. She had moved on, had a baby, gone through some very tough times. And every so many years, just in the oddest places, I would run into her. And I would talk to her. And it's happened three or four times over the course of several years. And I, I, I remember that day just trying to do my own thing, just kind of get in and out. And I walked up and I saw this girl that I only see every so often. And I'm walking, I see her, I said, oh, man, wow. I haven't seen her in a while. I just walked up and said, hey. And she looked up at me and she said this. You always show up when I need God the most. To be honest, I was just trying to get in and out. I didn't want to see anybody. But sometimes, you just got to take the risk. Sure, I could have seen her and just walked the other way or tried to avoid that conversation. No, I just said, hey, how you doing? And you always show up. I wonder who that is for you. I wonder if there isn't somebody waiting right now on you to show up, to chase down their chariot, and to lift up your voice and say, do you know God? Do you know he loves you? Do you know? Do 
You see, the whole reason why we've been doing this series on holy fire is to get to the bullseye of this truth. That believers led by fire lead others to Christ. What did Philip do? Philip goes and he, 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 he is not just saying, Wow, look at my knowledge of the scriptures. No. He preached Jesus to him. To the point that he, he, would, he would say, it. as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. I believe that Christ is the answer to this region that is searching and hurting. But listen, we cannot think to ourselves that our silence plus knowledge of the Holy Spirit will accomplish anything. You see, Romans 10, 14 says it this way. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe uh, in him of, of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Listen, the whole point of getting filled with God's spirit, of beginning to be used by God, is so that you will go and carry the gospel to those who are in need. It is to carry the good news of Christ. It's not just so that you can, you know, start a new ministry, prophetess. It's not just, just so, so that you can be, you, you can have all kinds of understanding of function of the Holy Spirit. Even though God wants you to have that. No. God gives us this, the Spirit of God to enable us to do what He has called us to do. And your knowledge of spiritual gifting and miracles is useless when you are silent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear me, church. It is useless if it doesn't lead at times to you sharing Christ with someone. Friends and acquaintances that don't know Christ are in a desert. They're wounded in searching. And God's answer in this hour is to send out an obedient church, baptized in holy fire, to lead them to the feet of Jesus. This is God's end time plan. I will pour out of my spirit on all believing flesh. You're going to be used by God in ways you could have never imagined. But make no mistake, it will be included in sharing the life-changing message that God loves us. Humanity sinned and sin separated us from God. But because God loved us, he sent his son 
to give himself as a sacrifice for our sins, to pay the price we could never pay, to, to earn for us a salvation we could never earn. So he dies for us, is buried, and on the third day raised from the dead. And all who place faith in him, like this eunuch, they will become sons and daughters of God. You need to hear this today. The church today in Ethiopia attributes its long-lasting pursuit of Jesus to this man. Still to this day, they say when the eunuch came, he came preaching Jesus. And our nation never ceased to have the Christian church in it from that moment. love how this story kind of ends. It's beautiful. God grabs Philip right after he baptizes this Ethiopian. He grabs him from the water and he literally translocates him to a city called Azotus. And there, what did he do? He just started preaching. Matter of fact, it says he, he preached all the way to Caesarea. For those who love your Bible all the way to the maps, that's way up north. He was going down south. God just said, hey, I'm going to give you a jump start. Head you back in the right direction. And it's my opinion that when he arrived in Azotus, he arrived soaking wet. I think so. Why? Because when, when God is using your life, you'll always be dripping from your last encounter with him. You'll all, there will always be remnants of what God did before that will thrust you into what God wants to do in your life. How appropriate that this is the message on 9-11. Do you remember 9-11? I do. I had just finished up preaching the gospel at Inverness Middle School and was gathering with other pastors at a little place that doesn't exist anymore called the 88-cent breakfast place. I remember what happened in the tragedy and the lives lost. 9-11... I believe our nation is now at another 9-11. Where the church must not go into hiding, but must enter into action. You see, while there was great sorrow on 9-11, hope began to rise on 9-12. When men and women, every nation, tribe, and tongue would stand together to heal a place that had been broken. The divisions fell and people stood and loved and gave. 
And, and I want to tell you that if the church will realize that in the spirit there is an emergency call going out, that this is the hour where lives are on the line, I tell you the church will start to look like 912, where we say, oh no, no, we're all the same, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. We're going to love, we're going to minister, we're going to lift, we're going to give, we're going to stand, and we're going to believe that God will help us to rebuild. Listen to me, God's not done with America. I believe there's a coming move of God. It's first coming to the church so that we can be agents of hope and healing and salvation to this nation.